Hey, this is Jonathan with Limitless Mindset, and this is the Q&A podcast, the first one for the month of February. So I wanted to start with Varin on YouTube, and I believe he commented on my phenylparacetam review saying, do you guys feel you develop a tolerance to these drugs? To smart drugs? Yes. As a biohacker, your, your constant challenge, your uh, thing that you are perennially working against is the tolerance curve of the smart drugs and the nootropics that you're taking. Luckily, luckily for us, the racetams as a category have a quite gentle tolerance curve. Some smart drugs like, say, um, modafinil comes to mind first, have a really serious tolerance curve that for many people makes it not a good cognitive enhancement option. But yeah, you're going to deal with a tolerance curve. Not as bad with the racetams. The racetams will work pretty consistently for you. However, the tolerance curve is the reason why we employ all of these different cycling strategies. As a biohacker, it's actually pretty rare that you would take the exact same smart drugs every day, uh, week after week, month after month. That's kind of a recipe for running into that tolerance curve, right? So each, actually each smart drug has a little bit different cycling strategy that people are going to use. The cycling strategy for paracetam is a little bit different than the cycling strategy for, say, nicotine. So what you're really going to want to do is for whatever smart drug you're using, check out my article, my meta-analysis that I've done, and usually those will have some guidelines for the cycling. And I can probably make some generalizations for you. Over time, what you'll do is you'll figure out that a certain smart drug is really good for your focus on, say, a technical task, whereas a different smart drug is a little bit better for socializing, whereas something else is better if you're trying to do a relaxing thing. You'll figure out that different things work to put you in a mindset that's conducive to what you're doing. And so you want to use your smart drugs that you've got on hand selectively based upon that. And so if I, for example, right now I'm doing a lot of vimpocetine and I'm doing vimpocetine like a couple of times a week. And if I was doing it every single day, twice a day, then I, I might end up, I might run into that, that tolerance curve from it. The next question is actually kind of related. So that's helpful. Dexter asked, Hey, Jonathan, I was just wondering what your thoughts are on the use of memantine for resetting caffeine tolerance in young, healthy adults. Thanks. Okay, Dexter. So yeah, this, this is another one of these things that's been a holy grail of young, healthy, hardworking adults, likely since since the discovery of, of caffeine as a performance 
enhance their dating all the way back 5,000 years to the very lonely, very bored, but thankful for us, observant uh, goat herders of the hills of Ethiopia. Yes, that's where coffee comes from initially. Uh, since then, we've all been trying to figure out how to reset the caffeine tolerance of coffee because, hey, we love drinking coffee, but boy, that, that stuff has a steep tolerance curve, doesn't it? And I did a little bit of research on this, and there are some Redditors that are anecdotally corroborating what you're saying, which was, which is that it does help reset the tolerance of actually a lot of things. They're also talking about nicotine and crotum and some other things that people use, perhaps overuse, and then develop a tolerance to them. And I came across one study, it was a Russian study, caffeine withdrawal syndrome in social interaction test in mice. Effects of the NMDA receptor channel blockers, memantine and neramexane. And there was this study apparently where they would give some, uh, some Swiss mice. These were, these were, these were, uh, these were very, uh, very bourgeoisie mice. They weren't. They weren't just any old mice. They were Swiss mice, uh, in Russia somehow. So, so they're they're imp they must not have enough of their own of their own mice in Russia. They have to import them from the the country that produces um, CERN and uh, fine chocolate. <laughs> so they had a a study where they gave these mice uh, heightened levels of caffeine. And, you know, of course, they develop a caffeine tolerance. And then there was a withdrawal period. And so the mice began to have caffeine withdrawal. And apparently that negatively affected both their uh, their social interaction. So the, so the mice were just like, you know, sitting in the corners, swiping on their smartphones and holding their drinks and not talking to anyone and their uh, locomotor activity. There was some retardation of both of those factors, yet when they added back in memantine, it helped a little bit, but what it's saying is that all it helped with is the caffeine withdrawal. And so that's really not what you're looking for. What you're looking for is you're looking for caffeine to work the way that it worked for you that that first time that you partook of the pleasant warm energizing dark nectar right so ultimately my suggestion here is kind of similar to the first question which is to employ a cycling strategy with your performance enhancers and one of the things that's nice about caffeine is that it's really fast to reset your tolerance to it. Some drugs, you need to go off them for like weeks or months to get that tolerance reset all the way. With caffeine, if you do seven days off of caffeine and then you go back on it, oh boy, you're gonna feel pretty, pretty awesome. Uh, I've done this a uh, number of times and you go, you go off of it and like the first day or two, you're like, ugh, I don't feel that great. We'd really like some caffeine, but stick with it for about a week and you'll feel pretty great. And if you 
alternate in there other nootropics and performance enhancers in the place of caffeine and you get to the point where you're using like rhodiola rosea, you're using paracetam, you're using, I don't know, maybe modafinil on these different days as alternatives to uh, coffee. What you'll find is that you'll find in those two to three days a week that you are using coffee, you feel pretty freaking great. And I think it'll accomplish what you're really looking for here. Next question, we heard from J.E. And he said, do you know of any natural alternatives to the racetams? Will alpha GPC or niacin do the same trick, etc.? I need something that's natural that will get me focused and concentrating and able to remember when I study without any side effects. He said that he has not tried the racetams up until this point because he has read that they have many side effects. And from what you say, they only boost one's focus and memory for four to six hours. Do let me know if there's supplements, minerals, or vitamins that are natural and can help me study and focus naturally with virtually no side effects. Okay, J.E., I'm going to answer your question two ways here. So there, there are some, uh, some natural alternatives to the racetams, I would say probably the only other family of, of nootropics that comes close to the racetams for what you're talking about for focus and memory is probably the adaptogens. So your uh, rhodiola, your bacopa, Siberian ginseng, Panax ginseng, those sort of things are going to, uh, they're going to help with your, they're going to help with your energy levels quite a bit, give you kind of like some of that pep. They, they do help, they do help with focus and uh, Bacopa, for example, I just did, I just did an article, a real thorough article on it and Bacopa will help your memory in the long term. So it is a quintessential study drug and then you could also try things like modafinil although i will say that for what you want for what you're looking for the racetams are the most consistent performers and the racetams are also in a they're, they're in a pharmacologically res highly respected class because they have virtually no toxicity. That's one thing that people remark about them uh, frequently is that they are uh, highly effective. They, they are highly psychoactive drugs. They do change your state of mind, but their toxicity is virtually non-existent. And I have spoken with, uh, at this point, probably thousands of biohackers, and as far as negative side effects from the racetams, I, I occasionally come, come across non-response, but as far as negative side effects, like people that really have a bad time with it, that's, that really is quite rare. So if your reason for looking for natural alternatives to the racetams is that you have some concern about long-term health or safety, the racetams really are some of the very 
safest type of molecules that you can put into your body. Uh, Paracetam, for example, has undergone 20-year population studies. They really have been studied very thoroughly and they are they are as I would put them in the category as being as safe as as almost anything that comes out of the natural earth. So give the racetams a little bit more consideration and if you really don't want to do them yeah the uh, adaptogens are a good place. The adaptogens you do want to thoroughly research them before taking them because they are herbal medicines. They're part of this very ancient traditional uh, medicinal schools of practice and they are a little bit more complicated than just being pills that you drop. There is some some methodology that I would encourage you to spend some time understanding. And so I'll link in the blog post for this podcast to my articles on the adaptogens and you can dive in from there. Paul in Australia, down under, might wrote, I just jumped the gun and bought aniracetam without seeking proper advice. My main goal is to increase focus, work rate, and memory. I have a very short attention span at the moment. I get sidetracked when I read. I tend to go off in a tangent thinking about the last time I was doing whatever other than just reading the book. I'm starting to do still silly stuff like putting stuff in the fridge when it's supposed to be in the cupboard. Silly, but they add up. Any advice? Yeah, Paul. So, uh, aniracetam is a pretty great smart drug. It's it's very proven. It's really safe. It's had a lot of real thorough human double-blind placebo-controlled studies that have been done on it. And in fact, the government agency DARPA, which I think is the one in charge of dissecting the UFOs, DARPA has used it uh, specifically because it does modulate this ampkinic receptor, which helps a lot of people with their ability to exercise a high degree of attentional control, which is what you're describing is kind of the issue. But I would really encourage you to try other things other than aniracetam. If you're running into these issues, I would really encourage you to uh, do as many different things as you can to train your attentional control, what people also call executive control. And one of the very best ways to do that is using the brain training game Dual Back Pro. Dual Back Pro, you might have heard of it. It's this game. You can play it on your iPhone, your Android, or your PC. And you keep track of a piece of audio and visual information simultaneously. And as you get better and better at doing that and identifying matches, you advance levels. And so what you're doing is you're forcing your RAM of your conscious mind to hold an increasing amount of information. So this is a biohack that is akin to upgrading the RAM of your conscious mind, where you're keeping a whole lot better track of the things that are right in front of you that you need to keep track of. And I think that could help you a whole lot. I would also really advise you to take a look at 
meditation, uh, a meditation practice, which is something that really, uh, it's not going to improve your memory a whole lot. It's not going to make you better at, you know, remembering semantic details or episodic details from your past. It's not going to make you better at uh, learning some new skill that you need to learn for your job or career, but it's going to really help you a whole lot with this this absent-mindedness that you're describing. And uh, there really are a lot of people that have done dual and back, and they've also done a mindfulness meditation practice. They are different things, so I do advise doing actually both of them because they have a bit of a synchronicity. They kind of help each other out, but they also work on disparate areas of the mind. And I think that those things in combination with a great smart drug like aniracetam will make you one dangerous kangaroo. Might. <laughs> okay. We also heard from Corey on Facebook. This is a little bit long, but it's interesting. This has to do with bromantine. I promise. Lol. Been watching your videos almost religiously, and I have learned a massive amount of information from you as well as other places online. I'm loving bromantane almost beyond the point of words. Wow. Anything out there like NSI that can change the physical structure of the brain? That was his first question. Yeah, a, a lot of things change the, the physical structure of the brain. One thing, real notably, there's all these oh, biohackers are so concerned with finding what is the what is the most invasive tool or drug outside of a surgeon's scalpel that can go in there and change the structure of the brain. Biohackers are have a bit of a fetishization of this. And actually, you may want to check out that recent podcast that I did with David. And we discussed a couple of drugs that do that, that are like more hardcore kind of drugs um, that will go in there and actually like change your DNA and that will, you know, hack your brain in uh, a more profound way. So check out that recent discussion. It's a long discussion, but I think that might just heavy information that you're interested with there, but I also also direct you towards using the less hardcore hacks for changing the physical structure of the brain, which are things like uh, just supplementation of uh, high quality supplementation of macronutrients, like your uh, your high quality forms of vitamin B12. You know, the, the brain requires quite a bit of vitamin B12. Uh, the methyl cobalamin and the anthio, anthio, oh shoot, I'm getting that wrong. Uh, I will add it to the show notes, but the two forms of uh, vitamin B12 that the brain really needs, those sorts of things can, can help you a whole lot. So I would direct some attention to those while you're also de- uh, uh, looking at these more experimental things. He continues, First of all, I should apologize for not responding sooner, as I did get your message yesterday and I didn't respond out of my being nervous. It's okay, you don't need to apologize for that sort of thing. I have had a brain damage caused by Datura poisoning when I was 17 that led me to develop several mental illnesses. I'm sorry to hear that. Here's the tricky part that makes me a bit narcissistic to some people. The 
Jimson weed, I don't know what that is, did give me a specific type of brain damage which didn't cause me to lose any intellect, but seemed to have decreased it at the cost of my executive function and social function. I was obsessed with medical knowledge before to the point that I was buying the new DCVM every year in my teens, which looking back was kind of, kind of weird, but afterward I am much worse, much, much worse. I've lost two wives to being a total psychological nightmare to some people because of my very eccentric nature. That being said, Rain Man wants pussy and cars too. So he said, how do I get rid of mental illness? <laughs> okay, so I, I think you're on the right track that you're looking at these 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 introspective types of uh, types of types of questions that you're you know uh, the the people that have mental illness that are just um, that they think that the rest of the world is crazy as opposed to thinking that they themselves are crazy. Um, I think so. I think you're uh, I think you're on the I, I think you're on the the right the right path here. How to get rid of mental illness? Well, boy, this is um, this is, this is the big, this is the big question, right? So I'll start by kind of trying to address some more specific things that you brought up was you mentioned executive function. And as I mentioned in the previous question, one of the, one of the clearest ways of improving executive function, one of the most proven ways of doing it, and one of the ways of doing it relatively quickly is through that dual end back brain training. And you, you didn't mention that here in your letter to me. So I, I, I assume that it's something that you haven't really dived into. So if I were you and I felt like that was a real issue, I would uh, focus, I would focus, I would really devote yourself to doing some dual end back training for an extended period of time because that will improve executive function. You also mention social function that, that you lost two wives. Uh, well, congratulations on being able to acquire two wives. You, you obviously have some social function, otherwise you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have made it all the way to the altar twice. <laughs> um, but we, we obviously don't want to be repeating these things in the future. And Oh boy, there's so much advice to give here, and I really don't have don't have that much information. So I'll suggest that you start doing kind of what I do. Start doing some video blogging or some podcasting, and you don't have to share these with anybody. Just start cre creating video blogs of your head talking or start creating podcasts of you talking about subjects that interest you or things you're studying for work or maybe even with the material that you're reading in the uh, in the in the textbook that comes out of mental illnesses although although I'm not sure if that's how I'd spend a ton of my time um, but start creating content that start creating multimedia content video blogs um, audio blogs, because these things are so easy to create now. And then you're going to want to go back 
and watch those. And initially, you're going to be pretty unhappy with what you see. You're going to notice all of these really obnoxious uh, communication tendencies that you have. You'll notice all these different blind spots that you really didn't know that you had in your in your social game, so to speak. And I think that will uh, give you some really great, like almost, I'm not going to say like real-time feedback, but that'll give you some real feedback on your social skills and you'll be able to improve, being able to actually see and hear yourself. A couple other things he wrote. Uh, so far, I've slowly made my way back to reality with some extremely rare stuff as well as some basic nootropics. I watch your show because I like because you like details and I love details. I can tell. I started looking at the functions of paracetam years ago and slowly read my way through Russian medicine and decided those cats have it figured out in the world of neuropsychology and America's just lost. Well, that's a little debatable. So long story short, I narrowed it down to a shorter list of very special things to do in order. So um, he's got a bit of his own protocol of the things that he takes that seem to be an, an enabler of normalcy. And I'll add, after weaning off that slowly over a six-month period, I began taking C-Max with bromantine. I was smart, but very spaced out and very depressed and very scared to be social until I started the bromantine. The racetams creaked open the door and created a great environment for bromantine and C-Max to really do its work. Nothing I've ever taken has had this kind of effect on me. I'm on my day off, and while I'm on uh, uni IA right now, I can't help but notice the effects of five days that bromantine use has had on me. I have had a concept of tomorrow and a concept of when I'm being annoying to other people. So I think he's saying that it's an enabler of a heightened uh, sense of introspection. I just feel generally content with myself and have a very self-validating feeling that one wouldn't notice unless they are insecure like I was before. Bromantine is this awful tasting chemical, and but it makes up for it four hours later. Yep, the stories are right. I might chip up after about an hour or so to two hours, but four hours in, you are completely on your game. So it has... It's a slow-burning deal. I've taken some different things together. I woke up and smiled, and so bromantane is the best effing thing ever. And uh, it goes on. There's that mania that some people get in the moment and love and say, wow, this is helping me. Bromantine is doing that, doing it stronger and stronger every day. So I took six days off, six days off of bromantine. I'm still a bit, this is a little bit of a run-on sentence here. So I, I'm i really interested in trying bromantane now because it wasn't something that I knew about before in the past. And in, in your incomplete grammar here, you uh, made quite a, you made, <laughs> you're quite the, the cheerleader for it. So I think that in the near future, 
this year, I'll do a thorough meta-analysis of Bromantane and then hopefully a, a uh, trial of it myself. And then I can report back. I'm, I'm glad that you found something that you think is a real enabler of normalcy and that it sounds like you feel like really unleashes your 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 uh, your genius and and your uh, your potential. That's great. That's why we're all in biohacking. The um, these terms that you're speaking of bromantane in though, I worry that uh, with someone with your history, I worry that this could turn into a uh, a thing where you become real dependent and where there may be some addiction because as Tim Ferriss says. There's no biological free lunch. And if you find something that really, really is freaking amazing, that like that, that really is great, a lot of times there is a dark side to that. But to be honest, I have not studied bromantane with the thoroughness that I've studied the other nootropics that I speak with. So uh, yeah, sounds good. Uh, keep it up. But I, I encourage you, as you find things that do enable normalcy for you, I encourage you to try to implement other life hacking, uh, other more holistic lifestyle habits that will cultivate this ecosystem of positive emotions, discipline, and self-control, and these sorts of things, so that ultimately you can get towards that state where you can be your best self without needing a whole lot of stimulation of that. And I was going to add, finally, for some of the uh, social challenges that you've described, there's a podcast that I've been listening to for the longest time called The Art of Charm. And this is a podcast. It's I don't want to say it's a men's podcast, but I really think it will appeal to that very detail-oriented masculine brain that you have that's really interested in science, really interested in the data. And this is a podcast that they give really great uh, scientifically-based relationship advice, and I think you'll find that helpful. I'll add to the end of this Q&A podcast that some of you may or may not be aware that I do 25-minute free consultations with people that spend $100 or more on the various biohacking products and supplements that I talk about on my website and YouTube channel. A lot of times there'll be questions out there that you Google search them and you just don't really come up with good answers Google searching things. Or perhaps you uh, have a real kind of personal issue that you'd like to get some some good answers, you'd like to get some feedback, some some discussion on that you don't want uh, shared publicly as as I'm sharing this, right? And if that's the case, then I will invite you to take advantage of the 25-minute free biohacking consultation offer that I make. All you have to do is spend a hundred bucks again via the different vendors that I link on the Limitless Mindset Secret Society 
article on my website, which you can find pretty easily by Googling it, or I'll include links at the end of this article, of course, with everything else, and then we can get on a phone call and get down to business. Again, I'm Jonathan Roseland, and I look forward to a continued conversation with you. Legal notices. If you or someone you know developed or created a concept, piece of content, or idea shared on this show, please email us at info at limitlessmindset.com so we can mention them in the show notes or provide a backlink. We want to give credit where credit is due. As a listener to the Limitless Mindset Podcast, we hope you have and practice common sense. However, since some of the content covered in this show deals with subjects of a health, legal, or business nature, this show is for entertainment purposes. If you need recommendations of doctors, nutritionists, or attorneys to consult before making decisions that may have health or legal repercussions, please email us at info at limitlessmindset.com.